Last week, um, or starting, I guess, um, Palm Sunday, we looked at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then we had uh, that great Easter baptism service and everything else, and then I came back to that idea of facing our Gethsemane, facing our moments in our life where we need inner strength, where we are just at the bottom and we need God to come and fill us up and to fill us with inner strength. And we looked at Ephesians chapter 3. And in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul unpacks for us a little bit the secret that he had for his contentment, the secret that he had for his inner strength. And so last week we picked up the second half of that that need for the strength that we need in facing our Gethsemane and that Paul prayed for the people of Ephesus and he prayed for the Christians that we would we would know by the power of the Holy Spirit be able to grasp and comprehend how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God. Remember that, right? And so I just can't seem to get away from this. So so this this morning I'm just going to unpack it a little bit more. And uh, then I'm going away to a conference, and so we'll be done with it. But, uh, but i got to unpack it just a little bit more, because there's just more to this secret of inner strength. There's more to this mystery of inner strength, and there's more that's going on there uh, that, that needs to be unpacked. And, uh, and so this morning, what we're going to look at is how uh, the Holy Spirit actually works that. Because you might come away from that prayer of Paul's in Ephesians 3 and think, Okay, that's great, but how is the Holy Spirit working? How does the power of the Holy Spirit actually work in my life? So I'm not talking this morning about what the Holy Spirit does. What I want to talk about this morning is about the media and agency of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we were praying earlier and we were talking as a, as a worship team, as soon as I said the word media, I knew I had lost them because they're talking about Facebook and television and all of that stuff. That's not, yeah, Facebook, yeah. That's not the media that I'm talking about. I mean it in the traditional sense of the word, the medium, the, the method by which, the media in which the Holy Spirit works. Uh, how, what he works through, and the agency, which essentially means the same thing, but it has a little more active role, um, the agency of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what and how does the Holy Spirit activate in our life, and, and who are the agents of the Holy Spirit? So that's what we're talking about this morning, is, 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 a, is sort of answering that question of, how is the Holy Spirit working? Like, I heard what you say about the Holy Spirit, Paul. I heard that, you know, when the, the bottom comes out of my life, I need to grasp the depths and the width of God's love. I hear all of that, but how does the Holy Spirit do that? Like, let's get to the practical point. What is the Holy Spirit doing? And, and when we think of how the Holy Spirit works, and the reason why this can be confusing is because you read that in, in Scripture, Paul says that, we talk about the Holy Spirit, we, we think about the Holy Spirit working, and we, we think about the Holy Spirit working immediately. Right? We think about the Holy Spirit working sort of suddenly or miraculously, that the Holy Spirit works immediately, in other words, without media. But the Holy Spirit works immediately. The Holy Spirit works both immediately and immediately. He can work supernaturally, and that's normally how we think of the Holy Spirit working, that, that he, he acts without any intervening medium. He acts, he acts without anything in between him and whatever he's accomplishing. He just acts directly. And it's those times when we feel the Holy Spirit is acting directly in the world and we think of miraculous workings of the Holy Spirit. You may have seen or experienced yourself the Holy Spirit working immediately, directly, without any intervention, intervening media. And you may have been healed from a physical illness or you may have known someone who, who has been healed miraculously, immediately by the Holy Spirit. Or you may have experienced a, a direct response from God emotionally or a, a word of wisdom. You may have been praying or you may have had a warning 
You may have had sort of an unexplainable peace and you know that the Holy Spirit has worked immediately in your life. That the Holy Spirit has just taken action on his own. Or you may have been overwhelmed by some sense of the presence of God and that just left you feeling powerless or powerful and you've just not been able to explain it. That's the Holy Spirit working immediately in your life. And the Holy Spirit can and does act directly without any intervention, intervening media in our lives. But that's not the only way. Nor do I think it's even the most common way that the Holy Spirit works, even in the New Testament. What Scripture teaches is that the Holy Spirit both works immediately and mediately. That's not really a word, I just made it up for this sermon. (laughs) He works immediately, directly without media, and he works immediately, in other words, through a media or through an agent, by some means. And if you look back and you think of Paul's prayer for that inner strength in the Christian in Ephesians in 3, 14 to 19 that we looked at, Paul's prayer was that believers be able to grasp the greatness of God's love. And that's what we looked at. But he said he was praying for that power or strength, power through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit. And and we think that that must be some sort of miraculous thing that Paul was praying for, that suddenly just the light bulb would go on and, and miraculously we would understand God's love. And there is a sense of that. It's true, there is that. But I think, in fact, that Paul knows that the Spirit also works immediately through means and agents to accomplish this strengthening. And there's three ways in which I think Paul understands that this works, and the Holy Spirit works this ways. And the first of which of these three ways may be the most obvious, because it appears to us like an immediate work of the Spirit, and so we think of it as the Spirit working immediately, and it's how we expect the Holy Spirit to work, and it's obvious in this prayer because Paul is doing it. Paul is praying. In other words, he's praying for the Holy Spirit to act. And that's one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit works. That's one of the agents of the Holy Spirit. He works through the agency or the media of prayer. Or put another way, when we pray, we give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work. We become participants in the Holy Spirit's work through prayer. And so we can, if you go through the New Testament, you will see Paul, on numerous occasions, connecting his love for God and the power of his ministry directly to prayer filled by the Holy Spirit. If you were to look in Romans, say, 15 to 30, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. You see, Paul understands that the Holy Spirit works through prayer. And he, and he tells his other believers, he says, I want you to pray for me with that love and power of the Holy Spirit because that's how my, that's how my ministry grows. That's how I'm encouraged. That's how things happen in my life because of your prayer. And so Paul specifically asked for the believers to pray, that they be the agents of the Holy Spirit by the means of prayer. Or even more specifically, that their prayer be motivated by the love of the Spirit and that they strive at it. So in other words, it's the people who are striving at prayer. They're participating in something. They're doing something that is then filled by the Holy Spirit to have this power that Paul is seeking in his own ministry, in his own life. And so there's no doubt to me that Paul expects prayer to be a means by which the Holy Spirit works. And he doesn't mean miraculously or immediately or super spiritually, in fact. When it comes to praying in the Spirit, Paul does not mean all those sort of super spiritual things that we think of in terms of the Holy Spirit working in prayer. He actually means the exact opposite of what we might think of as sort of the Holy Spirit-filled prayer. 
He says in 1 Corinthians 14, he's addressing the issue of tongues and spiritual prayer directly. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Now, Paul speaks in tongues. He, he said that he spoke in tongues, right? He, he, he does that. He, he understands the working of the Holy Spirit in that. Paul doesn't want to discourage speaking in tongues particularly. But what he does want to encourage is praying with both his spirit and his mind. In other words, what I take out of that is we're not to be discouraged in our prayer life. We are not to be discouraged as we pray thinking that the Spirit is not working in our prayers simply because your prayers don't sound and feel miraculous. You know, just because when you go to pray, you don't have this overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit and you are sort of smitten emotionally or speaking in tongues or, or anything like that, you don't think that the Holy Spirit is not using your prayers. The Holy Spirit, Paul knows the Holy Spirit works through our prayers. He asks for them. And he specifically says, I, I'm not going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray with my mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for things that I know God is seeking in my life and things that he knows are for his kingdom. I'm going to pray in my spirit, but I'm going to pray with my mind also. So don't be discouraged because the Holy Spirit is working in your prayer, even if it doesn't have the big sort of miraculous feeling to it. And Paul isn't, he isn't pushing for that sort of miraculous prayer. He wants just knowledge and truth of what we know about God and that the Spirit is working through the way we pray. And that's almost exclusively the kinds of prayers we actually have from Paul in scriptures. When you go back to that prayer of Ephesians 3 from the inner strength, Paul is praying in the spirit for the power of the spirit. But he says, for this reason, I pray that you know the love of God. He said, this isn't a big emotional, ecstatic, miraculous experience. This is from reason and with knowledge about who the love of God is. That's how he prays in the spirit. And so if you're looking for the Holy Spirit to work in your own life, or you are seeking that the Holy Spirit would work in the life of someone you know and love, then pray for them, because the Holy Spirit is at work in your prayers. The prayer is one of the media of the Holy Spirit. And so don't think that, that your prayers are powerless, because Paul has given us, and Scripture has given us, and Jesus has given us that the Holy Spirit is at work through our prayer. And understand that when we pray. So often we go to pray and we forget that we are a media for the Holy Spirit to work. And we think, well, why, why would I bother? What good is it for me to pray, right? This is the prayer of a righteous man. is powerful and effective. I'm not a righteous man. My prayers don't do anything. You can't think that way. Don't be discouraged. Your prayers are powerful because they are the media through which the Holy Spirit works. And the Holy Spirit is living and active in our prayer, no matter how boring or how simple we think they are. God likes boring, simple prayers because then his Holy Spirit can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So don't be discouraged or doubt the power of the Holy Spirit in your prayer. When you pray, pray by the love and through the Spirit of the knowledge that the Spirit has given you. But where does that knowledge come from? When Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, where does it, he says, for this reason I pray, that you would know these things. Well, what are the reasons and where does that knowledge come from? And I would say that's also from the Holy Spirit acting through the second agent of the Holy Spirit and the second media of the Holy Spirit, which is the Bible. It's Scripture. In the Old Testament, if you were to look in 2 Samuel 23, it says, These are the last words of David. 
the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, Israel's singer of songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. You see, it's the Spirit of the Lord that is speaking in Scripture. When the prophets write, when David writes, you open up your scripture and you're reading those words. You're reading the words of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's word was on their tongue. Or Nehemiah 9.30 says it this way, For many years you were patient with them. By your spirit you admonished them through your prophets. Yet they paid no attention and so you handed them over to neighboring peoples. So Nehemiah is saying, God, you were patient and you spoke through your spirit in the prophets. When the prophets were writing and the prophets were speaking, they were speaking in the spirit. In the New Testament, most famously, 2 Peter 1, he says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, The Holy Spirit is working in Scripture. When you open up your Bible and you are reading the words of God, that's the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit is working through Scripture. You can't sort of take the Word of God and separate it from the Holy Spirit because they're the same. It is the Holy Spirit who is speaking. It is the Spirit of God. The Spirit is often attributed to anything the Scriptures reveal. In Acts 28, it says, The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet. So it's saying anything... Anything these prophets said, it was the Holy Spirit speaking. Or in Hebrews 3, it says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. So the writer of Hebrews says, this is the Holy Spirit speaking. (laughs) This is what the Holy Spirit said. Scripture is the Holy Spirit's medium for speaking. But the work of the Spirit goes beyond simply inspiring the writing of divine truth. And that's incredible enough on its own. If we were just to think, okay, the book that we have in front of us is inspired by God. It is written by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God has written these words for us. That would be amazing enough. That would make it a holy book on its own right. But it goes beyond that. The, Holy, the, the Scripture is such an agent and such a media of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit actually works through the words that the Holy Spirit inspired. John 6.63 says this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying the actual words of Scripture, which were inspired by the Holy Spirit, are an agent of the Holy Spirit, the words themselves are spirit and are life. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that the Holy Spirit is in the Word of God. And we have to be very careful not to divorce the Spirit from the words he wrote. You know, going back to our common misconception of the Spirit, some people might be waiting to hear a word from the Holy Spirit, right? And so they're seeking after the Holy Spirit and they specifically want to hear a word from the Holy Spirit. And so they're seeking after that and they're expecting some kind of miracle to take place. They're thinking if the Holy Spirit is going to speak, he's going to, you know, I'm going to speak in tongues or somebody else is going to speak in tongues and they're going to interpret it or I'm going to have some vision. I'm going to have a dream tonight or I'm going to be walking down the street and I'm going to get, you know, pow, I'm going to have this word from the Holy Spirit. 
And that that's how they're going to get this overwhelming sense that the Spirit has spoken to them. And at the same time, their Bible is collecting dust on their bedside table. And they want the Holy Spirit to speak, but they won't open up the words of the Holy Spirit that are right there before them. And so we can't divorce the Holy Spirit from Scripture because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through Scripture. You know, so these people, they don't have a Bible reading plan. They don't read their Bible every day. They're not in a Bible study to try to learn what's in the Scripture. They don't try to unpack its meaning. You know, they're just waiting for that zap from the Holy Spirit to teach them anything. And if it just pops into their head, then it must be the Holy Spirit speaking. And they've forgotten that the Holy Spirit is speaking right there in his word. And he's living and active through Scripture. It's not just a dead book. It's not just words on a page. When you read the Scripture, knowing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, he is living and active in your life, and he will speak to you. He wrote the Bible. So if you want to hear the Holy Spirit, then read his book. And give the working of the Holy Spirit through the media of Scripture the same reverence that you would give the Holy Spirit working without media. You know, we sort of elevate this idea that the Holy Spirit working miraculously is somehow better. If he works through immediately, then it's somehow better than the Holy Spirit working immediately. And it's not. It's the Holy Spirit at work. We can't elevate one above the other. The Word is the Spirit. So much so that Paul encourages a fully equipped Christian in Ephesians this way. He says in Ephesians 6, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Paul is talking about power here. Paul is talking about the power of the fully equipped Christian to fight anything. The full armor and a sword. And the sword, the active power of the Christian, the sword of the Christian is the Holy Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so when we talk about the agency, when we talk about the means by which the Holy Spirit works, he works in prayer. But the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. And so often we forget and we think the Scripture is somehow different than the Word of, not different than the Word of God, but different than the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit working through Scripture. And so then if you go back again and you apply that to Ephesians 3, so when Paul prays for us to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God, how can we grasp that? How can we comprehend that love of God? without the power of the Holy Spirit. And where is that knowledge of the love of God in the power of the Holy Spirit going to come from? It's going to come from Scripture. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit speaking through Scripture, speaking through the Bible, teaching us about the love of God. So Paul is not praying for some sort of miraculous light bulb to go on in our mind, that we'll just suddenly get it. That will need to happen. The Holy Spirit will have to reveal and open our eyes to that, but it comes through the working of reading in his word and reading his scripture and praying and praying in the spirit that he would reveal himself by his word. And then the third way in which the Holy Spirit acts or, or the third agency of, of the Holy Spirit is people. And it's easy to overlook this in Ephesians 3 because Paul's praying and it's about the knowledge and the reasons that he has that he has from scripture about the love of God. But in Paul's prayer... This is a little bit meta, 
But Paul is praying. <laughs> There's a person involved here, right? It's Paul that's praying. And so the, the other, the third agency of the Holy Spirit is people. We can't overlook the fact that it's Paul who's praying. It's Paul who is ministering. It's Paul who is preaching and teaching. It's Paul who is living in Ephesus together with these Christians. And he has his ministry there with them for many months. And so there's a person involved in this working of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit works through people. We are agents of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, we read that the Holy Spirit would fall on or, or the Holy Spirit would fill specific people. That sometimes for specific things, right? You remember Samson. Samson was a, one of the judges of Israel. And, and Samson, everybody pretty much knows Samson, right? And the Holy Spirit came upon Samson and dwelled with Samson. And when the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, he was filled with very visible power. Like he could just, you know, overpower anything or everybody. He didn't even need a sword. Or, you know, any, you could just pick up a bone and, you know, knock out, kill thousand Philistines with a, whatever was happened to be laying at hand. But as filled with the Holy Spirit as Samson was, he wasn't as full of wisdom as perhaps he should have been. And eventually, eventually even the Spirit left Samson. Right? One of the saddest, one of the saddest sentences in Scripture is written about Samson. It says, he did not know that the Lord had left him. Imagine that. Didn't know. But he had the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit would come upon people and give them power to do things. Right In Deuteronomy 34, we're told that Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom, so the people followed and obeyed him. And then in Exodus 31, we see that God granted gifts by the Spirit. He says in Exodus 31, when they're building the temple, he says, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. That's cool, eh? The Holy Spirit comes on people and gives them power and he gives them gifts in the Old Testament, but then the Holy Spirit could leave also. And that's how the Holy Spirit tended to work through people in the Old Testament. He could come and go with his anointing presence on people. But then in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit keeps working through people, but works with a whole new agency through people. When Jesus prepares the disciples for his death, he says in John 14, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So because of what Jesus accomplished in the new covenant, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, the Holy Spirit now resides in all who believe and never leaves. And so we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is always with us. And so when we talk about the media or the agency of the Holy Spirit, we have to include people in that, because we are the agent of the Holy Spirit. Just as Paul was the agent of the Holy Spirit in his time in Ephesus and the other cities that he visited, and in the words that he spoke because he was inspired to write write Scripture. Paul says in Romans 5.5, he says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have the Holy Spirit. Then he says in 2 Corinthians, he says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is in us who believe. Or as John says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. I could go to like a dozen verses like this. 
There's no escaping the reality that we are the vessels of the Holy Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit is acting in and through God's people. When we are looking for the Holy Spirit in our life, we just need to open our eyes and see God's people around us. Because the Holy, the Holy Spirit could very well be acting through them. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit may have fell on or filled particular leaders or prophets or priests, and they would fall and anoint them for a time. But now in the New Covenant, we have with God through Jesus this new covenant that we have that we are the priests. We are the anointed. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are the people that are anointed, the, the royal priesthood. And at least 50 or 60 times we're told directly in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is in those who believe. And so this means again that the Holy Spirit is working immediately. Not without means, but with means. And that you, believers, are the means to the working of the Holy Spirit. Do you ever think about that very often? That the Holy Spirit is in you and working through you to accomplish His purposes in His kingdom? The Holy Spirit indwells us. We've been given to us as, as a counselor to guide us in truth. And as Peter says here, even that we are to proclaim the excellencies of God by that Spirit. And so back again in Ephesians 4, sorry, Ephesians 3, where Paul's prayer for the Holy Spirit to give us understanding of God's love. How might that understanding come about? As Paul is praying that by the power of the Spirit you might know and comprehend and grasp the magnitude of God's love. How might that be happening? That we might be able to comprehend the love of God through the Holy Spirit. That Paul knows that we will be able to grasp that as the Holy Spirit works to give us understanding of God's love by the Scripture, of course. The Holy Spirit works by the Word of God. But now also we see by people. Paul is praying, Paul is ministering, Paul is living, Paul is fellowshipping with these believers. Paul is hoping that the Holy Spirit is working through his life to be able to demonstrate to them as a testimony the love of God and that by the power of the Holy Spirit they would know it. And here Peter is saying that we're to proclaim how excellent God is, that it's the testimony of God's people who have the Spirit to speak about the love of God and proclaim his excellencies. So the Holy Spirit is working through us to teach people. And have them comprehend the love of God and all the other things about God. And even more directly, the Holy Spirit works through the agency of people via his gifts and his fruit. And so I'm just going to touch on this quickly. This isn't a sermon about spiritual gifts or fruit, but I do want to touch on this. That we know the Holy Spirit is working in us. We know that there is an agency of the Holy Spirit working in us because of his gifts. In 1 Corinthians and in 12 and in Romans 12 and in Ephesians 4, among other places in Scripture, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are described. And the Holy Spirit has given every believer gifts to use in the church and is acting directly in the church through those gifts. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is acting in your life through the gifts of the Spirit that he's given to other believers. And so there are gifts. There is teaching, there's hospitality, there's evangelism, there's leadership, there's mercy, there's generosity. There's so many gifts that are all given to believers to be ministers of the Holy Spirit to each other. And so again, when, when we're seeking the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, because I, I really just, I kept coming back to this, <laughs> that it's just about the, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we really has to, have to grasp how the Holy Spirit works in our life. And I had to realize that we had to open our eyes and see the Holy Spirit is working through the gifts that he has given the church. 
That when people teach, when they encourage, when they rebuke, when they show hospitality, when they generate demonstrate mercy, when they show generosity by the gifts of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And we need to recognize the Holy Spirit when he shows up. And then in addition to the gifts of the Spirit, we also have the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as we allow ourselves as believers to be empowered by and controlled by the Holy Spirit, this is the type of fruit, Paul says, that will result. As we let the Holy Spirit that we have work in our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be born out in us. And what fruit does the Holy Spirit give God's people? Love. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love that we're to demonstrate, to show the love of God. And so listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you of the love of God through his people, through the spirit that he's given his people, through the gifts and the fruit that the spirit in his people have. He's speaking of his love towards you in all of that. And because he's speaking through us, he doesn't always, like we don't get it right all the time, right? There's this, there's this filter that is us. But as we lean into the Holy Spirit, as we submit to the Holy Spirit as believers, then the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are cultivated in our lives. By the Holy Spirit, God has filled his church with people through which his Holy Spirit is at work. And so don't dismiss the teaching and don't dismiss the wisdom and don't dismiss the help and the mercy and the generosity and the grace and the love that's expressed by the people of God as if it's not from the Holy Spirit. It is from the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit working in your life. And the flip side of that is don't ignore your own part in being a vessel and an agent of the Holy Spirit for others. Don't belittle your own gifts or don't quench the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Let the fruit of the Spirit in your life grow and flourish so that you are more and more loving and patient and kind. And as a pastor here and as elders, we deliberately have chosen to use a certain type of language and you may hear us talk about it. You may hear us use the words like cultivating a certain environment or nurturing a certain spirit at Lakeside. And those words that we choose are intentional. It's deliberate language because we need to be a people that are cultivating the fruit of the Spirit and nurturing its growth in ourselves. That's how the love of God is experienced by the world, by the fruit that we bear. And so we need to cultivate that and nurture that. And so that's how Paul was praying for inner strength in Ephesians 3. Yes, that the Holy Spirit would act with power immediately and directly allow us to grasp just how wide and long And high and deep is the love of God. But also, for this reason I pray, that the Holy Spirit would work through his prayer and work through their prayer, that the Holy Spirit would work through the prayer of God's people for each other, and that the Holy Spirit would work through the knowledge given to them in scriptures and would work through Paul as a fellow believer in the Ephesians themselves as he was there ministering alongside of them and teaching them and pointing them to God's love in the scriptures that they had. Prayer and scripture and believers are all part of what is going on in Paul's encouragement. And so let the Holy Spirit work. And give the Holy Spirit the means to work. Pray and read your Bible and fellowship and listen to the truth and testimonies of other believers. So if you came away from last week in that great, amazing, poetic, fantastic prayer about Paul's prayer that, that, that by the Holy Spirit you would know and grasp the love of God. And if you came away from that sermon and you said, okay, but how? That's what I'm trying to get to today. This is the how. 
Pray. Read your Bible. Fellowship with other believers. This is how the Holy Spirit grants us the power to know the love of God. If you're not praying and you're not reading your Bible or you're not in close, meaningful relationships with other believers, then you're not giving the Holy Spirit a lot to work with. He wants to work in your life. And he's given means and agencies for us to be worked on by the Holy Spirit. But if we don't ever take advantage of them, then we're not giving them a lot to work with. You know, and he could fall on you like a fire if he wanted to. Maybe that's what you're praying for, right? You just, I don't want to do all that work of actually getting to know people and enjoying them. You know, and I don't want to read the Bible. It's a big book. You know, and prayer is kind of boring. You know, so if you could work it out, God, when I'm walking down the street, just fall on me like fire, reveal everything to me, and then I'll be great. You know, he could do that if he wanted to. But even in the New Testament, that's not normally how the Holy Spirit works. Even in the New Testament, he works by means of the scripture and believers and by prayer. That's how the Holy Spirit normally works. And so don't frustrate the Spirit by ignoring the means by which he's provided to work in you. Recognize them as the Holy Spirit and take advantage of them. When you read your Bible, consciously cooperate with the Holy Spirit to hear what he's saying to you and receive the power that comes through the truth of God that he inspired and that he's actively working through in your life. When you pray, acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit is active in your prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to act through your prayer and through the prayers of others for you and be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in your relationship with other believers. And all of this is in both directions. As you're sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is working with you through other believers, be sensitive to the fact that you are an agent of the Holy Spirit for others. And so bear the fruit of the Spirit for them, and express the gifts of the Spirit for others. And be the media of the Holy Spirit to other believers. And I don't mean that you are their Holy Spirit. Let me be really precise in my words that I use here. I am not my wife's Holy Spirit. I am not Isaac's Holy Spirit. We are not each other's Holy Spirit, right? I have not had a direct word from the Holy Spirit for Wendy in my whole life. Not that it could never happen, but, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit has not said, you know, you got to tell Wendy this. You know, she's way off base, Paul, and it's your job to tell her how wrong she is. Holy Spirit's never done that in my whole life, okay? So I'm just trying to be clear. He's actually never done that for me for anybody, so don't worry. I won't say it to you either. Maybe in the future, but it's never happened. So when I say that we need to be the Holy Spirit for other people, I'm not saying we are the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We need to be agents of the Holy Spirit and his gifts and his fruit. What I mean is, I mean that we can only be a means of the Holy Spirit by letting the Holy Spirit... I can only be a means of the Holy Spirit by letting the Holy Spirit transform my own life so that my own life guides my interactions with Wendy and Isaac and with you. And so I'm a vessel of the Holy Spirit only as much as I submit to the Holy Spirit in my own life. And I allow the Holy Spirit gifts to work in my life. And I allow the Holy Spirit's fruit to be born in my life. Then I can be a gift of the Holy Spirit to other people. I don't mean that I am their Holy Spirit. And we've got to be precise about that. It is about how letting the Holy Spirit transform me and letting the, trans, the Holy Spirit transform us. Then I can pray for them as Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And then the Holy Spirit can work in them through the media of my prayer and through the media of my gifts and through the media of my, the fruit that he, get, that he bears in me. Only then can I counsel or speak or teach to them the truths and facts of scriptures. Not what I think is right, but what scripture says and what the Holy Spirit is written and acting through. 
And so the Holy Spirit, you know, wrote the scriptures and gave us prayer and gave us the fruit and gave us gifts so that we can uh, bear fruit for each other. So let's be that church. Let's be the church that the Holy Spirit is empowered, that Paul prays for, that is studying the words of the Spirit, studying our Bibles, and letting the Holy Spirit empower those words. And then working on our own lives so that the Holy Spirit transforms us so that we are bearing the fruit and expressing the gifts of the Spirit in such a way that the Spirit can work in other people's lives. Let's be in fervent prayer that we know the love of God and that others know the love of God. And let's be vessels of the Holy Spirit ourselves, pouring over and pouring out with the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, so that others grasp the love of God. This is how the Holy Spirit works. It can be really confusing to try to figure out how the Holy Spirit works. But this is the means and agency by which the Holy Spirit works. He works through our prayer. He works through Scripture. He works through the gifts and the fruit in our lives. And so as a church, we want to be a people in submission to the Holy Spirit and also with our eyes open, seeing the Holy Spirit work in all those different ways. Let's pray. Father God, we can easily get confused and have our own ways of which we wish you would work in our lives. I just pray this morning that if we were struggling, if there was anyone struggling to understand how they grow, how they increase in knowledge, how they uh, increase in the fruit of the Spirit or their gifts or how the Holy Spirit is working in their lives, that they would just be able to see and comprehend by your Spirit the truth that the Holy Spirit is at work in all these different ways and more. The Holy Spirit is at work in their prayer and the prayers of others for them. The Holy Spirit is at work as they open up their Bible and read the words that the Holy Spirit wrote. That the Holy Spirit is at work in others in their life and is wanting to work in their life to work in the church. And Lord, it's so easy for us to sort of put the Holy Spirit in a box and say, he only works this way and this is the only way I want him to work and it's the only way I'll believe it's the Holy Spirit. When in fact, the Holy Spirit is acting, living and active in such a broader way in our life than we give him credit for. So Lord, open our eyes and open our hearts to how your Holy Spirit is working. And make us partners, make us participants in that. So that we're doing the work. So when the day comes that we need the inner strength, then we've done the work to have the inner strength by the Holy Spirit. And it's there for us. And we know how much you love us. And that's our anchor. That's our foundation. That will not sway us despite our circumstances. Because the Holy Spirit has taught us your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.